And so in the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled Bloopers, and we've been talking about mistakes. But we're not talking about mistakes, lamenting and looking back on mistakes. What we're talking about is, is that just because we make mistakes doesn't mean that we have to live from them. Our mistakes don't have to be the context by which we see ourselves, by which we perceive opportunities or the lack thereof. See, we can actually move on from mistakes. And I don't know about you, but over the last couple of weeks, has this series been blessing you? Come on now. Has it, has it been speaking to you, helping you? You're online. Has it been helping you? I believe it has. In week one, we learned from the life of Adam that we must take responsibility. Get this. The very first mistake that mankind made was this. Not only did they violate the word of God, what God had told them, but then when the, the, when the jig was up, Adam goes, God, it's not my fault. It's the woman you gave me. He blamed God and he blamed that. He, he, he blamed Eve. He didn't take responsibility. And when we don't take responsibility, that is the mistake. Week two, we learned from the life of three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that we must maintain endurance. See, oftentimes we make mistakes because we give in to impatience. Or we just succumb to pressures from without or the pressures that we create within. And we fail to press through. And so we have to endure. In week three, last week, we learned about three pressure points. We learned about the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And any one of these or all of them are in operation when we are in the midst of about, when we're in the midst of making a mistake or we're about to step into one. And so today, I want to invite you to open your heart. Not just open your mind. Not just open your ears, but open your heart. And allow the word of God to shed light in your life. And let the truth set you free. Jesus said this. And any word that Jesus has ever said is not without purpose. And it is not without power. Jesus said this. You shall know the truth. And I declare this. And the truth shall set you free. Come on now, give God some praise. Today as we lean into God's word, I want to talk to you on the topic of living with integrity. Living with integrity. Integrity, simply defined by Webster's, this is the world's definition of integrity, is an impenetrable code of values, character, an unshakable belief that is firmly held to with deep conviction. Watch this. And it is incorruptible. That's the world's definition of what they think integrity is. But I would just up the ante by saying this to you, child of God. That yes, integrity is an impenetrable code of values, character, and unshakable belief that we hold to firmly that we, we have a deep conviction about, and that it is incorruptible, but they are godly. It's character, it's decision, it's perspective, it's unshakable belief that is rooted in godliness. It honors God. In other words, we do it not because it honors anyone, not because it honors what the cultural norms are, not because somebody said it or because it's even laws. We do it because we know what is right and true and godly. And so integrity has the power to help us avoid make mistakes. We can avoid making mistakes. But when integrity is lacking... You know, life has a way of snowballing. You get a snowball effect, and slowly but surely, these choices, these breaks in integrity begin to compile and amass to the extent that it becomes an overwhelming avalanche of weight in consequences and error. So much so that we're stuck and we don't even realize it. A recent article in The Economist cites a study that was conducted by the Robert Half Talent Solutions firm. The, in 2021, this uh, recruiting firm was dubbed the best firm in all the United States in recruiting high-caliber candidates. 
And what they found in this study, in this, in this survey that they conducted was they spanned over 1,000 office employees and 2,200 CFOs of some of the largest and most reputable businesses in the country. And they asked them, what's the most important trait in a leader? And do you know what the number one answer was? You guessed it. Integrity. Integrity. Tim Hurd, who headed up this study, states that people want to work for those who are ethical. They want to know that their leaders act with integrity and will treat them right and do what's right, not just for the business, but for the people. Companies with strong ethical management, he notes in this study and others, uh, uh, companies with strong ethical management teams enhance their ability to attract investors, customers, and talented professionals. I find it interesting that uh, Dr. Christopher Bauer, who is an expert and holds a doctorate in ethics and is a fraud specialist, uh, stated this, most leaders and companies profess to value integrity. But interestingly enough, the proof is in the pudding. The definition of integrity differs from company to company. You know that that's also true just in the world we live in? Integrity differs from person to person. Additionally, the Global Business, Business Ethics Survey that was recently conducted in this country by the Ethics and Compliance Initiative found that one of three workers in the United States, one of three workers report having observed unethical misconduct in the workplace. I say all that simply to say this. We live in a world where integrity is a moving target. It has no clear definition or concrete standards. And we're seeing the results from it today. I submit to you, just turn on your television and listen to the news. And you will find a lack of integrity in the results that we are seeing today. Integrity, it matters. Reminds me of a story I once heard about a guy named Jack who woke up one day with a hangover after having attended his Christmas, his company's Christmas party the night before. Now, Jack is not a drinker. He would not even touch alcohol. But the drinks that he was drinking from, inadvertently without his knowledge, they tasted sweet and they were great and they, they looked good and they, they smelled good and they didn't taste like alcohol. So he drank and he drank and he drank. Needless to say, he didn't even remember how he got home from the party. And as bad as he was feeling, he wondered, did I do something wrong? And so opening his eyes, the first thing that he saw is a couple of aspirins next to a glass of water on the side table by his bed. And next to them, there was a single rose. And so he sits up and he sees his clothing in front of him, all clean and pressed. He looks around the room and he sees that it is in perfect order. It is spotlessly clean. And so is the rest of the house. So he takes the aspirins. He cringes when he sees a huge black eye staring back at him from the mirror in the bathroom. And then he notices a note hanging on the corner of the mirror written in red with little hearts on it and a kiss mark from his wife in lipstick. The note said, honey, breakfast is on the stove. I left early to get groceries to make you your favorite dinner tonight. I love you, darling, your loving wife, Jillian. So he stumbles into the kitchen, and sure enough, there is a hot breakfast. There's steaming hot coffee, and she even put out the morning newspaper for him. And so his son, who's also at the table eating, uh, and Jack says to his son, Son, what happened last night? And his son responded, well, you came in after 3 a.m. drunk and out of your mind. You fell over the coffee table and broke it, and then you, picked, you, you puked in the hallway and got that black eye when you ran into the door. Confused, he asked his son, so why is everything in such perfect order and so clean? I have a rose. Breakfast is on the table waiting for me, and my favorite dinner is to come tonight. And his son replies, oh, that. He says, Mom dragged you into the master bathroom, and when she tried to take your pants off to change your clothes, you screamed, leave me alone, I'm married. What's my point? 
integrity gives us the power to turn our worst mistakes into lessons and pathways for something better. Integrity. It's something so small. And yet, it is so important in the world we live in today. You know, the Bible records the life of a man named Peter. There's much about the life of Peter. Peter was one of the biggest proponents of Jesus. He was a devout follower. He was in the top three that hung out with Jesus. He was committed to the cause of the gospel to the extent that he left everything to follow Jesus. He boldly declared his faith and he swore allegiance to Jesus. Even at that final moment when Jesus said to him, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. And Peter swore, not me, Jesus. I would never do that. I'm with you to the death till the very end. This guy, Peter, was loyal to the point that when Jesus was arrested after being betrayed, he cut a man's ear off in defense of Jesus. And of all the disciples, the obvious choice, if we really think about it at surface level, when it comes to integrity, is this guy, Peter. And yet the scriptures record that it all came crashing down in one moment. After the arrest of Jesus, the scriptures say that Peter and another disciple who remains unnamed followed at a distance as Jesus was being taken to this sham of a trial. And so they ended up in the lower court in close proximity to where Jesus was being questioned and accused by the chief priest where Peter observed and listened to what was going on. Let's look at Matthew 26, starting at verse 69, to see how this applies to the context with which we're learning from today. Starting at verse 69, it says, Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. You've got to consider the magnitude of what's happening here. Peter didn't just respond to her. Peter went public in that square and he said to everyone, I don't know him. Not me. Never heard of the guy. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Verse 71, then he went out of the gate, out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow, this guy right here, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again, but this time with an oath. I don't know the man. I'm telling you, I don't know him. You must have me confused with someone else. I've been told often that I remind people of somebody else. It wasn't me. I don't know him. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Watch what Peter does. Verse 74, Then he began to call down curses. You must understand what Peter was doing. He cursed Jesus. He cursed him. He cursed him. And, and he swore to them. He went from taking an oath to now swearing. I don't know the man. I'm telling you, I've never met this man in my life. And immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. I think it's safe to say that we can all agree on this. Peter made a grave mistake, a series of mistakes. But you know, Luke twenty-two sixty-one tells us how great this mistake was. We're not going to read it, but I'll just share with you what it says. It says that when Peter denied Jesus the third time, the rooster crowed. And verse 61 in Luke 22 says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, and he left weeping bitterly. Let me tell you how grave his mistake was. 
Peter, Peter, one that was close to Jesus, denied Jesus to his face. Jesus was right there. Now, why do I share that with you? Because if I were to ask you what Peter's mistake was, when did this mistake take place? Your answer would sound something like this. Well, it had to be when he denied Jesus, that he knew him. It took place when he was questioned about his relationship to Jesus. And I submit to you that Peter's mistake was not his denial of Jesus. That was the result of his mistake. Listen, Peter's mistake was that he broke away from that which he knew to be true, to be good, and to be godly. His error was his break with integrity. Let me give you scriptural proof of that so that you can see that I'm not giving you an opinion here. Proverbs 10.9 says this, whoever walks in integrity does what? Walks securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be what? Found out. Listen to what the scripture is saying here. When we walk in integrity, when we stick to what is right, to what is true, and what is godly, we are walking in the safest place we could ever be in life. It won't lead you wrong. But the moment we break with integrity, the moment we bend the word of God, the moment we excuse those things that we know are wrong for what feels right, here's what the scripture says, eventually you will be found out. That will come to light and it will be the means by which destruction overtakes your life. See, in other words, mistakes don't happen when we make them. They happen when we break our integrity. See, the mistake is just the proof of it. It's the result. And so the path from good to bad and right to wrong is made up of small steps lacking integrity. Let me ask you a question for personal reflection in this moment. How are you doing in this area of integrity? How are you doing as it pertains to choices, to what is right, what is true, and what honors God? I'm not asking you about your excuses. I'm not asking us to beat ourselves up. No, what we have right now is a golden opportunity to look in the mirror and see what's there and change it. That's a gift from God. Amen? Come on now. We can give God praise for that. We can thank God for his goodness that the truth really can help us be free. And so for the next couple of moments that I have, I want to point your attention to some, some practical application steps. And I want us to look at the word of God. Because I'm telling you right now, maybe you've broken integrity at some point. Maybe you're breaking it now, but what I'm telling you is that it doesn't have to break you. We can make the change. We can honor God. We can do what is right. And we can see the redemptive power of God to lift us. Can I tell you something, my friend? Because I, I get it, man. I've made mistakes in the, past and I, in the past, and I've lived with those regrets for years upon years upon years and here's one thing that I can relate to it doesn't bring you freedom it doesn't give you peace it produces shame and guilt it robs you of the life that God has for you and what I am saying to you is this that God is so gracious and so good that even in your worst mistakes even when you've broken integrity and you are reaping the consequences, we have a God that promises that he gives you beauty in place of your ashes. The scripture says that he crowns you with beauty instead of ashes. See, God doesn't want you under a heap of mistakes and consequences. God wants to raise you up to a whole nother level. Say that with me. That's not even proper English. A whole nother level. Tell somebody else, you're going to a whole nother level. Listen, God wants to lift you up. But we have to start in the very thing that many people disregard today. It's this issue of integrity. 
The first point I want to propose to you for application is that if the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own yard. Let me say that again. If the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own yard. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? You know, mistakes are by and large born out of a lack of integrity that oftentimes happens because we look at the lives of others and the circumstances of others and we try to live through them. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me with those holy eyes of yours. You know what I'm talking about. You just kind of look to the left, look to the right. You go, ooh, man, I wish. I, I, I just want to be where they're at. You're my model. You're, you're, you're my mentor. You're my hero. You're my example. And what we're really saying is I want what you have. And when I get there, it'll be better. But when you get there, it's not. And what we're literally doing is we're living by way of comparisons. Do you know that that's what happened to Peter in this moment? Peter became so consumed with wanting to find belonging among the people in the courtyard. He began to feel uncomfortable because he was a Christ follower and no one around him was. He began to feel like the oddball. He began to feel like he didn't fit. He's, he felt like a square being, uh, and people were trying to put him into a round peg. And he was going, no, that's not me. But you see, Peter didn't do that. Instead, Peter wanted to find belonging among them. So much so that he forgot why he went there in the first place, how he got there. Consider this. He got there by following Jesus. He was following after Jesus. So I want you to think about this. We really got to chew on this. Like Peter, when we follow Jesus, it is going to bring us to places and among people where we don't fit. Where they will challenge what you believe. You know, we live in a day and age where quote-unquote cancel culture is acceptable. You don't believe what I believe? Canceled. You don't look how we look? Canceled. You don't vote like we want you to vote? Canceled. You don't believe what we say is true? Canceled. You don't listen to this music? Canceled. You don't dress this way? You're canceled. You believe in Jesus? You are absolutely canceled. And let me tell you something. You can't cancel what God has ordained. You can't cancel what God has called. Listen, no matter what comes your way in this world, integrity knows this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, and he is, who can be against me? I'm telling you, stand and stand and stand. Don't you give up. Don't you back up. Don't you look back. Don't you go anywhere. You stand upon your faith and you hold to what is right and true and godly. Let me tell you something about comparisons based upon 2 Corinthians 10, 12. I'm reading from a paraphrased version, the Living Bible. It says, oh, don't worry. I wouldn't dare say that I'm as wonderful as these men who tell you how good they are. The Apostle Paul here is addressing all these people that were coming to the church in, Cor in Corinth, and they were um, asserting themselves. They were saying, well, you know, this is my pedigree, and this is my training, and this is what I know, and this is who I've been under, and this is what I've followed. They're giving, they were giving their Christian resume. They were, they, were, they were telling the people in Corinth, this is who I am, and this is why you should trust what I'm telling you. Watch what Paul goes on to say. Their trouble is that they are only comparing themselves with each other and measuring themselves against their own little ideas. You know what comparison is? It's insecurity magnified. It's insecurity magnified. And I love what this paraphrase says at the end. It says, what stupidity. I mean, how low can we go? You know, as long as we break with integrity, we will live broken lives. 
That's not the will of God. And so when we compare ourselves to others, we will always end up with the wrong estimate of our measure of worth. You know what we do? We use people as mirrors. And the scripture tells us that when we look to the infallible word of God, that it serves as a mirror and it reveals to us our true nature. Let me remind you, child of God, that you have been made in the image of God. You have no need to compare yourself to anyone else. You are a unique, crafted work of God. You are a masterpiece. You are anointed and called. You are, a, you are the head and not the tail. You are royalty. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. How dare we look to someone else and go, that's the measure that I have for life. Appreciate your worth. You are valuable. See, where comparison begins, integrity ends. And mistakes are imminent. I'm going to say this again. Where comparison begins, integrity ends. And mistakes are imminent. You know, I'm reminded of a portion of scripture in... Uh, Song of Solomon's chapter 2, I believe it's verse 15, um, where Solomon says this. He says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the fruit of our vines. I want you to consider something. That small breaks in integrity lead to big problems. And here's the thing with integrity. It always starts small. It's one little thing that becomes allowable and another little thing that becomes allowable and another little thing that becomes allowable. And, you know, after all, everybody's doing so, yeah, that's fine. And, you know, oh, we're just all friends and everybody's just having a good time. So, yeah, why not? It's not a big deal. And, you know, but after all, I am covered by God's grace and his grace follows me wherever I go and his mercies are new every morning. So I'm covered. And so, you know, there's no issue with that. But here's the thing. Those little little breaks, those little foxes that we allow in our lives, eventually what they do is they begin to eat at the fruit that God intends for us. They begin to eat at the promise of your life. They begin to eat at your marriage. They begin to eat at your relationships. They begin to eat at your future. They begin to eat at what's important right now, young man, young woman of God. They begin to, 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 to deceive you and, and put before you things that look great. And you go, man, that grass sure looks good over there. But what you're not realizing is that you are dying from within because you are starved of truth. Let me just put it this way to you. Stop looking on the other side. Tend to your own garden. There's much fruit to come from your life. You know, integrity, my second point here is that integrity comes at a high cost. But forsaking it leads to greater loss. Integrity comes at a high cost. But forsaking it leads to greater loss. Holding to godly values and standing firm to do what is right and true comes at a great expense. It means you will stand out at times. It means you will not fit. It means you will be rejected. It means you will be overlooked. It means you will be falsely accused of doing what is wrong when you are doing what is right. Listen, the scripture says that in the end times, what is called good will be evil and what is evil will be called good. Welcome to the end times, ladies and gentlemen. We are seeing this now more than ever. And I'm telling you, the thing that will give you the ability to stand and to withstand those pressures is a commitment to be a person of integrity integrity can I tell you they can take your finances they can take your clothes they can take the things that you have they can take people they can take all that but they cannot take integrity because integrity is a choice integrity is a move of God integrity is a stand that I will hold to no matter what be a person of integrity. The book of Revelations 
the words of Jesus are transcribed by the Apostle John while he was in an island called Patmos. And John had been canceled, basically. He had been sent to this island in exile. He was there by himself for his faith. And the Lord Jesus spoke to John in a vision and he gave him seven letters, which are very adequate for these times. Hey, by the way, if you want to check those out, you can go on our YouTube page. We did a series a while back called Seven Letters. Very powerful uh, series. It'll bless you. But in any event, uh, at this, in this particular part that we're going to look at in Revelations 2, starting at verse 9, what we see is this, is that John, by inspiration of Jesus, is writing to a church in a place called Smyrna. And Smyrna was a small church in a city that was ungodly. And so here's how things worked in that day, especially in Smyrna. If you did not follow what was normal and acceptable, if you did not worship their pagan gods, they canceled you. And here's how they canceled you. There were, there were uh, uh, groups that were called trade guilds. And in essence, what they did was they controlled the economy. It was a small group of people that dictated what happened for everyone else. They clinged to power by economic control. Sound familiar? Some of you got it, some of you didn't. Anyway, let's move on. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. Um, this, this church in Smyrna, these people in Smyrna, uh, the trade guilds said, you will not worship our gods. And so guess what? We're not going to do business with you. You can't even find a job in this city. And so these people suffered what appeared to be great loss because they would not compromise their faith, because they would not break with their integrity. And while it appeared that they had lost much, they actually had a great reward. Listen to the words of Jesus, Jesus himself. He says, starting at verse 9 of Revelations 2, I know your works your tribulation and your poverty. Watch this. But you are rich. You are rich. Listen closely. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not. He's talking about Christian believers that would congregate with them. And he's saying... They claim to be Jews, but they're not. Why? Because they compromised. They broke their integrity. And watch what Jesus calls them. Strong words. He says, they are a synagogue of Satan. He says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. Now, let me just share something that you must consider about integrity. Integrity is not momentary. Integrity is not circumstantial. According to the words of Jesus, what we see is that integrity is a decision unto the death. This is the life that I will lead. This is what I will do. I will honor God no matter what. No devil, no demon, no, no situation, no circumstance will deter me, will sway me from what is true, from what is right, from what is godly. Now, here's the thing. History records that this church of Smyrna, while they were afflicted and they went through tough times, they came out shining. They persevered. Let me remind you of something child of God. Let me remind you of something, you who are online. Let me remind you of something, you who feel alone or far or distant from God. Let me, let me affirm to you something. God is close. He is nearer than you think. He is with you. He is for you. And he will see you through. Stand firm in your faith. Do not compromise. Do not break your stand of integrity. It's interesting, but this past week, as I was reviewing my notes, I came across an article on salmon, the fish, right? You know, salmon, they're more Christian than we think. <laughs> salmon have a deep understanding of the value of integrity. Let me tell you what I mean. 
Every year, salmon swim upstream to get to shallow waters where they can lay their eggs and protect them from predators. What's my point with that? It's a fight against the current and order of things to preserve their livelihood, but also the posterity of their future generations. Parent, let me speak to your heart. Don't you give up on what is good and godly and true. Not only will it affect your life, you are laying the groundwork for your children and your children's children and generations to come. I'm telling you, husband, I know it gets hard sometimes. I know she gets on your nerves sometimes, but you must get on your knees. You must stand in faith. You must hold to what is true. You must be honorable because it's not just about you and it's not just about your home and it's not just about your marriage. It is about the plan that God has for your household and your children to come and the community around you. Stand firm in your integrity. When people compromise their integrity, it's always on the belief that there's something of greater worth. But it's not. I want you to think of it this way. It's like using a credit card. Some of you, this is going to sound familiar because you've been in connect groups. But I want you to consider something. When you break with your integrity, here's what you're doing. It's like you're getting what you want now like you would with a credit card, right? And you're compounding all the consequences with it. That's your interest. And what you're doing is you're getting what you think you need and want right now, but you're stealing from your future. You're stealing from your children. You're stealing from the plan that God has for you. You are stealing from all that God has destined you for. I'm telling you right now, don't steal from your future for temporary desires that you want to fulfill today. It's a mistake. The last point I want to leave you with here is that we overcome mistakes when we maintain integrity with focus. Let me say that again. We overcome mistakes when we maintain integrity with focus. I want to use the word focus as an acronym. This is just my definition. I'm not telling you that this is what it stands for, but this is what I came up with. I simply want to make a point. Follow the one course Christ has for you until you succeed. Don't follow to the point of failure. Follow to the point of success. Listen to me. When you do the word of God and you live by the word of God, and you apply the truth in the Word of God. My friend, here's the reality. God says, my word will not return to me empty. But let me tell you when we get empty results, when we empty ourselves of the truth. Focus. Focus. Follow the one course that Christ has for you until you succeed. You know, after the resurrection of Christ, the scripture records that Jesus presented himself to the disciples many times. But in John 21, and we'll get there in a second, we're not going to look at it just yet, but in John 21, we find that Peter was still in a place of misdirection even after having seen Jesus risen, hearing the promises that he had for them. You see, Peter decided one day that he was going back to fishing. He says, guys, I'm going fishing. And the disciples said, man, that's a great idea. We'll join you. Nothing wrong in fishing in and of itself. It's just that it wasn't what God had called them to. God had told Peter, I've called you to be a fisher of men. And Peter went back to fishing for fish. And so they head out on their boats. And all of a sudden, the scripture says that Jesus shows up on the shore and he he sees them and he goes, have you caught any fish yet? The, disciples say, the, the, the scriptures say that one of the disciples cries out and goes back, no! You know what I find interesting? Every time that Jesus showed up when the disciples were fishing, they never caught anything. 
You don't want to share that with you. Because anytime we try to do things our own way, we always miss. It's a short plan to miss in life. Oh, you may get some things you want, but you'll miss fulfillment. You'll miss joy. You'll miss peace. You'll miss purpose. You'll miss the blessing of God. And so, the scriptures say that Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. And at that moment, something clicks. You see, Peter had been here before. He'd been here before. There was a time where Peter was on the water and he began to look at the waves instead of keeping his focus on Jesus. So this is not unfamiliar ground to him. This isn't unfamiliar, uh, uncharted waters. He's been here before. And at this moment, he recognizes it's the Lord. And so he dives in and he swims as hard and fast as he can. And the disciples come in tow, getting their boats to the shore. And they get there. And the scripture says that Jesus says to them, bring your fish. Set them down. And they find fish on coals already made. They were all in silence. None of them said anything. They knew who he was. And the Bible says that they ate a meal and Jesus then grabs Peter and pulls him to the side. And he says to Peter, he addresses the issue that drove his mistake. He addresses the issue that led to the break in integrity. See, if you study the scriptures, what you'll see is that while Peter professed to love Jesus, he loved himself more. It's why he broke with his integrity in that moment. The opinions of people and how he was viewed became more important to him than Jesus himself. And so Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. You know that I love you. And Jesus begins to lay out the plan for his life from this point forward. He says to him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. What he's saying is, feed my babies. Feed the little ones that are young in the faith. And then Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you love me more than these? See, he's addressing the heart. And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. I love you with everything I got. And he says, take care of my sheep. He's saying, those babies that I'm entrusting to you, they're going to grow up into sheep. But you got to nurture them. You got to govern them. You got to lead them. You got to you got to guide them. You got to strengthen them. And so a third time Peter says, Peter, uh, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? The Bible says that Peter was cut to the heart. Lord, you keep asking me the same question I already told you twice. You know I love you. I love you with all my heart. Jesus says to him feed my sheep see he took them from lambs feeding lambs to caring for the sheep to now feeding the sheep to the place of maturity and he says to him then when you were younger you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted but when you grow old here's what he's saying to him when you come to the fulfilled the fulfillment of maturity you're going to go to places and you're going to do things that you don't want to. But by this, you will glorify God. He was telling Peter, this is where your ministry is going to end. This is, it's going to be, it's going to be tragic in the eyes of all, but it's going to honor God above all. It's going to establish the faith of people. And at that moment, after receiving this restoration, Peter does the unthinkable. He's focused on Jesus, but he looks behind him. And he sees John nearby and he says, well, what about him? What about his life? What's going to happen to him? John 21, verse 22 says this, Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Watch this. You must follow me. Let's stand here today as we come to a close. The best way to avoid mistakes and overcome the ones that we've made and the consequences that we may be living with as a result of them is to focus. My friend, follow the one course that Christ has for you until 
you succeed. And so as we close here today, I leave you with this encouragement for application. Do what is right. Do what is good. Do what is godly. Do what honors God. Do what is excellent. Just do it. A life of integrity may cost you something, but it will give you everything. I really believe that right now is a holy moment. They say that in life, we have anywhere between three and five life-defining moments. The thing about it is you never know when that moment comes. You can never plan for it. It just happens. And I believe that, that for some of us here today, maybe you're online, for some of you online, this might be that moment. And I would encourage you, don't miss it. Hear the heart of God. You don't have to live by your mistakes anymore. You can break free from them. Live with integrity. I want to do something today that I felt inspired to do during first service, and I really do feel that it's something that God wants us to do here. To the extent that you're comfortable, I want to ask you to reach over to your left and to your right and grab somebody's hand. I want us to connect. Connect with someone. I know, I know, I don't know you. Ooh, never met you. Get over yourself. Right? Grow up. Come on, let's get the thumb out the mouth, right? I say that with love. But I want you to consider something that the Bible calls us one body. You know what's the thing about integrity? Integrity is wholeness. It's completeness. And I declare over this house that we are a people that function as one. And we don't just maintain the integrity of the body of Christ, but we maintain the truth of this gospel. We honor God above all because we love God, because we love people, and because we understand that our integrity is the means by which salvation is extended to others. Don't you realize that you are God's plan A? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are God's plan to reach the lost, to bring solutions to the hurting, to bring hope to that which is hopeless, and bring help to the helpless. But in order to truly fulfill that, we can't follow plan B. That's our plan. We can't break with integrity. And so today, Lord, we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And I declare, Lord, that we are one body, united by one faith, in one spirit. And we stand for what is right, for what is true, and for what is godly. We will not compromise this gospel. We will stand and we will withstand because Lord in, in doing so Christ is revealed lives are transformed and the body of Christ is strengthened Lord we give you honor and praise in this house in Jesus name come on give God some praise it's very possible that there's someone here today maybe you're here Maybe you're joining us online and what, what resonates with you is that you've just been going with the flow. Life has just been one journey looking like everybody else doing what everybody else has been doing. And if, if you're keenly aware of that, I want you to understand that this, we're not condemning you and God's not looking down upon you. God's not mad at you. But if that's what you're recognizing right now, I want you to consider that God is speaking to you. And he's saying to you, I've called you to go upstream because I have plans for you that will lead you upward. And so today we want to offer you the greatest gift of all, a new life. But you see, that new life requires addressing the very issue that drives all mistakes. It's not behavior. It's not even mindsets. They play a part. It's a sin. It's this issue of sin this propensity to just give in to the old, to do what feels right, no matter if it's wrong. 
to follow our own desires to exclude God from our life. And if you've been there, my friend, then here's what you must realize. It's the reason why you continue to make mistakes. Now, I'm not saying that anybody's perfect here. We all make mistakes, but we are perfectly forgiven. And what I'm saying to you is that because God loves mankind so much, when he looked upon men, he didn't look upon us with disappointment. He says, they've made mistakes. They've made the greatest mistake of all. But they can't change it because they're mistaken. They can't fix it. And so I have a master plan. I will become like them. I will live amongst them. And I will pay the price for their sin, though I am not guilty of it, so that they can be free to experience my forgiveness and have a brand new life. My friend, if you believe that today, then we want to encourage you to join us in prayer. If you're in the house, raise your hand nice and proud. Reach out to God. Listen, there's no shame in that. We celebrate what God is doing in your life. And if you're online, let us know. Make sure you stop by our VIP session before you leave. Let's pray this together as we close. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you love me so much that you died to pay the price for my sin and you rose again to raise me to new life today I declare you are my Lord you are my Savior you are my God and from this day forward I thank you for a new life Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.